Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsay is in, Janovich the fullback. Janovich, hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick. He continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. End zone caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exorcise the demons of another doomed season. I am exorcise the demons. This house is clear. Okay, and we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast presented as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always, my partner in crime, who you know and who you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, it was a busy day at Dove Valley today. A lot of news, a couple of different three pressers that we, we can analyze here tonight. Yeah. A lot of news that came out of the different remarks, but uh, I wanted to start with your take on Steve Atwater. We, the couple of well, the one mainly newsworthy aspect of, of Steve Atwater's Hall of Fame presser today at Dub Valley is who he has asked to present him 
at the Hall of Fame for enshrinement, and that is none other than former teammate and mentor Dennis Smith. And Dennis Smith, of course, is in the ring of fame for the Denver Broncos, and we were talking about this before we went live. If Dennis Smith, based on his resume, if that resume would have taken place as a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, you know, Green Bay Packers, he's in the Hall of Fame. But because he's Denver Broncos, he's probably this is probably going to be the closest he ever gets to the Hall of Fame, introducing one of his basically his protege and close friend, Steve Atwater. But your thoughts on that? Uh, It's a super nice touch by Steve Atwater to have Dennis Smith and uh, knowing that he even admitted Atwater. He said the, the Broncos are so underrepresented in the Hall of Fame chat. And it's a trope that we've been talking on for a while now. And Broncos fans have have realized, but we never really had a legendary player come out and kind of say those things. So it's it gives some credibility and validity to what we're saying that the Hall of Fame really doesn't do the Broncos a lot of justice. So. I think playing into that, their off-the-field relationship, him and Dennis Smith, I think it's a really nice touch from Atwater. And just him being up there and holding this presser, Chad, was so surreal. Him finally getting it, 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 it sunk in, I think, for everyone involved. Him included, he got choked up a little bit. It was very rewarding, and it was way past due for him to be up there talking about his you know, eventual Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, very tender, poignant moment when he was asked, hey, do you realize or how do you feel about the – fact that your bust at Canton is going to be placed right next to Mr. B, to Mr. Mr. Bolin. And as he went to answer, he kind of got overcome for a second. We could play the clip later if we want, but he kind of got overcome and with emotion and kind of verklempt, as they say, you know, choked up a little bit and talked about how much that means to him. And, you know, basically that he was a father figure to Steve Atwater and all of his players and guys. So really sweet moment. And you're right, though, dude. And Steve Atwater's right. The Broncos are still – grossly underrepresented in the Hall of Fame. And, yeah. you know, the last, let's say, four calendar years, well, 2017, 18, 19, 20, you know, they basically doubled their Hall of Fame presence, which is a massive step in the right direction. But there's still, as Atwater talked about today, a lot of ground to make up. Names like Randy Gratishar, Carl Mecklenburg, Dennis Smith, to me, is probably number three. It's a toss-up between him or Lewis Wright, the former corner, arguably the first shutdown corner in the history of the NFL, Lewis Wright. And, uh, you know, we could, there are a few other names. Rod Smith was another name that uh, Steve Atwater mentioned today, who I think has a legit claim because he is one of the, you know, one of, he's in that elite club of receivers who has over 10,000 yards receiving in in his career. He has a legit claim, but he's a former college free agent. He's not a first round pick. And, but uh, it's good steps in the right direction. It's encouraging steps in the right direction, Zach. It's a good problem to have. Then you add on, you know, McCaffrey, Mike Shanahan. There's so many Broncos-related names that are going in the hall, not even including Peyton Manning. Next year is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's just the Broncos have produced such legendary, great players for so long, and they've been kind of floating under the radar like Steve Atwater. He changed the game and changed the position at safety in the NFL, and it took until 2020 for him to get his due. And I think that's the point he was trying to make. All these Broncos players, these legends, have been putting in the work and are deserving, and they've just been either ignored or passed over continuously. So I'm happy he kind of broke that fourth ball, broke that barrier, and hopefully it leads to good things in the future. Absolutely. We got a lot to talk about here today. We got to kind of balance today's episode because there was so much newsworthy that came out of these pressers today that we want to touch on. They'll probably come out organically through your questions and the things you guys want to talk about. But we got to balance that with the Mile High Mailbag because, as you know, we are your football priests, and each and every week we are here 
to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And we're going to get to all of that. I want to welcome in those of you who've been hanging out in the room, Stu, Tony, Holden, Jeff, okay. SJ, Cottonmouth78, Red John, Duke. Welcome in, everybody. Before we dive in, just a couple of quick matters of business, though, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. The best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then another gentle reminder to head on over to the new Huddle Up podcast. I'll put it here in the in the comment stream. The new Huddle Up podcast merch store, which was created based on your popular demand. We finally got it going. We got a guy that's going to be running it for us so that Zach and I can focus on creating content and he can focus on the merch. But uh, toward the end of the show, we'll show you some things that are up right now, some, some products that uh, I think you might like, including pretty sick hat that we've gotten a lot of orders on and that uh, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback. So check that out when you get some time. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. All right, Zach, the other big newsworthy uh, aspect of today's events at Dove Valley, of course, the Broncos introduced Pat Shermer as offensive coordinator. Now, this was our first real shot at him publicly. He did take, you know, four or five minutes uh, a couple weeks ago to talk with Broncos TV, Phil Milani of Broncos TV, which is, let's just say, very curated questions that get thrown his way by the team uh, site. And, you know, there's some interesting insight there. But today, it's more of an open forum. Media have at him. And he's, I'll say this about Pat Shermer. As a guy who came from the Big Apple and he's used to dealing with, you know, the media from New York, very practiced, very, you could tell he's a veteran guy that's been dealing with the media for a long time. And when you realize not only the two years he spent in New York, then also the two years he spent as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, I mean, he's got about, you can't even say four times as much experience in front of the media as a guy like Rich Gangarello, because it's actually way more than that. So it was kind of cool to see how he interacted. But what jumped out to you most about Shermer today, Zach? I mean, uh, negatively that he compared Drew Locke and Daniel Jones. He said they're similar quarterbacks, and I take umbrage with that because they couldn't be further, you know, less alike than they are. One's a gunslinger. One's more of a finesse thrower. He throws with anticipation. Daniel Jones, he does. He can't even dream about having the arm that Drew Locke possesses. So I, that kind of jumped out to me. But I more or less like what Vic Fangio was saying. He was rationalizing the move and explaining the move, getting rid of Scangarello, hiring Pat Shermer. He said. I'm not the type of traditional defensive coach who wants to be ground and pound. I want to be aggressive. We have to score points. And that was so refreshing for him to say, and it just led more credence to what we've been saying the last week or so in order to take down 
Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to fight fire with fire. So the surrounding the Broncos are Drew Locke with all the necessary coaches and hopefully the weaponry to get that done. But I like the fact that Shermer came out. He lauded Drew Locke. He lauded the Broncos organization. Working with Elway was his first choice. A lot of coach speak too, but I more or less like the attitude that they're they're presenting with Shermer, this aggressive type offense with Drew Locke. It's exciting. We see the super chats are coming in, guys. We're going to get to you, I promise. You're going to want to see this. I wanted to get your take on what he had to say about the Giants' decision almost a year ago now to take Daniel Jones at pick number six instead of Drew Locke. And for the first time, I want to try one of these features here, Zach. I've got it preloaded for our uh, for our audience here that's viewing it with us live. Let me grab this quote real quick from Pat Shermer and uh, get your take on what he had to say there. Here we go. Oh, actually, let me stop that one second, guys. I, there's one little button I didn't hit. Give me one sec. Share screen. Bear with me one second. There we go. Now we're good. Now, here we go. Tell me what you think of this real quick. And just give me the thumbs up, Zach, if you can hear it okay. Here okay. we go. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. Last year we were in the quarterback market. And typically when you when you draft a quarterback high, those are organizational decisions. And, you know, at that time last year, the best – decision or what we felt was best for the Giants was Daniel Jones. I will say this. We had a very, very high opinion of Drew Locke and we liked him a great deal. And, you know, there's a lot of similarity between the two players. They're young, talented players that had very good college careers. Uh, Their skill sets are very similar. They can throw the ball well. They can move around well. Um, You saw flashes of really good football from both of them this year as they played as rookies and so um, I'm very very excited to be able to work with Drew Locke and really all the offensive players all right so I'm going to stop the share screen there we'll come (laughs) back to we'll, we'll, we'll maybe check out a couple other clips from old Shermer today but the fact that he brought up see and this is a guy again I'm telling you very practiced in front of the media and I would be willing to bet dollars to donuts that he knew he was going to get asked this question today, and he, and he kind of prepared some verbiage that he wanted to use. And one of those is very smart, actually, the way he did it, even if, even if the conspiracy theory isn't true. Uh, and, well, let me, let me grab the exact quote here. Specifically, he said, anytime you draft a quarterback that high, those are, quote, organizational decisions, which what's that implied to you, Zach? It implies to me that hey man these are decisions that are that are greater than a guy like me like right. they're they're made higher up the chain from 10,000 feet and you know he did use the possessive uh pronoun of we to you know later on to kind of include himself in that decision but still i mean to me it may, he made it he kind of postured it so that there's at least a plausible possibility that hey i was the without outing anybody in new york or naming names hey i was the one guy pulling for drew lock but you know decisions were made above my pay grade. It's plausible deniability. Now he's not working for them anymore, Chad, and the Giants, he can say whatever he wants now and and angle himself to come off looking like the only guy who was pounding the table for Drew Locke. That decision, though, was above his head. There was a GM and a head coach who, I mean, a GM above him, excuse me, that was going to make that final decision. So even though he might have wanted Drew Locke, ultimately it was not his complete call, like Elway would have the final call in Denver. You know, he can say it now, it's easy to say, but the only similarities that Drew Locke and Daniel Jones share, they're young and they're they're mobile. That's where it ends, though. That's pretty much it. They're two different quarterbacks completely. So hopefully he rephrases that in his future press conferences. I mean, 
you can compare the fact that they both had some pretty productive games as rookies. Daniel Jones, I mean, let's face it, he lacks the same kind of physical tools and traits, similar size, but different tools and traits than Drew Locke has. But the flip side to that coin, Zach, is that, you know, he had three different games where he threw at least four more touchdowns. I mean, it was insane production they got out of Daniel Jones. In just 12 starts, he threw 24 touchdowns and went over 3,000 yards passing, and now he ended up leading the league in fumbles. So, you know, it wasn't all roses for for young Daniel Jones. Comparatively, though, I mean, Daniel Jones is a quarterback. It's not that he doesn't have a good arm. He has a solid NFL arm. Well, let's say an average NFL arm. And as such, he kind of has to use his brain a lot more, use his eyes, use his his um, – you know, pre-snap recognitions and throw with a lot more anticipation than a guy like Drew Locke with the, an arm and a cannon like Locke who can literally, you know, he can be a sight thrower. He, I mean, not, I'm not taking anything away from him as far as being anticipatory and being able to read defenses, but in a pinch, if he sees a little window of separation, Zach, he's got the arm to rifle it in there. He doesn't need to see it coming from, you know, uh, five seconds before and throw right. into the future like a guy like Daniel Jones in many cases has to do. Now, they both have similar, I think, probably a little bit more toward Drew Locke, similar um, ability to kind of move outside the pocket. Jones is surprisingly mobile. In fact, watching him, his college tape when he was a prospect at Duke, that's one thing that jumped out to me is how mobile he was and physical he was as a runner, whereas Drew Locke's more of like a basketball athlete that can really just kind of use that athleticism to get outside the pocket and buy time and create opportunities for other guys. But aside from that, even even – even from a personality perspective, I talked to Daniel right. Jones at the combine last year. I talked to Drew Locke at the combine last year, two totally different dudes. Daniel Jones, the whole time he was at the podium, you could tell, man, this guy was, I mean, like deer in the headlights, that phrase that gets used a lot. That's what he was like. Like he was holding on for dear life. Like I got to get me out of here the quickest <laughs> second you possibly can. So I think that's just his way of – he doesn't want to throw Daniel Jones under the bus. Right. And he also wants to credit Drew Locke. He's in a rock and a hard place, but kind of interesting. Hey, he gets the best of both worlds. He got he got to work with Daniel Jones and had success with him there, and then he gets to go and be with the quarterback that he might have wanted all along in Drew Locke, and we have to see how he works with him. But um, I think Drew Locke obviously fits his offense and what he wants to do better than Daniel Jones. So if he can get that – four touchdown production per game out of Daniel Jones. I am so excited to see what he can do with exactly. someone of arm talents like uh, Drew Locke. All right, let's grab a few of these questions, and we'll jump to the super chats that are stacking up. We'll get to you guys. Holden, though, was in the room early, and I want to grab this from him. He says, in the past couple drafts, Elway let the board fall to us. For instance, getting Bradley Chubb at pick five, Cortland Sutton in the second round, Dalton Reisner and Locke in the second round. Do we do the same this year and hope some great guys fall to us regardless of position? And that's a good question, Zach. Um, I don't see the Broncos. We've been asked this before in different ways, but I don't see the Broncos. You know, but right now they're they're expected to have twelve picks. Let me just put it this way: they're expected to have twelve picks. I doubt they end up making all twelve selections. They'll package them to move up and down, but I just don't think it's going to happen early. I really don't. I think they're going to use all five of those picks they have in the top one hundred on players. And so, to answer his question, yeah, Zach, I think they're going to let the board fall to them and pick the best player available at whatever position they value at that slot. 
And just to nitpick the question, though, they moved up for Drew Locke. So they didn't necessarily let him fall to him at That's that true. spot. So, I mean, if they want to get a guy and they have the picks in the capital, they are going to move up and get that guy. Whether that's the first round or the second round, whether that's a tackle or a wide receiver or a cornerback, we do not know yet. But I, I'm with Chad. They're not going to make all 12 picks, and I expect them to make at least a couple trades in this draft, maybe even in round one, moving from 15 to 12 or 11 if they fall in love with a guy. But they're going to be aggressive as well they should be. They have the, the ammo for it this year, and I think Elway's going to have more confidence operating knowing he has that franchise quarterback. Let's grab this one here from Duke Rose as my dog goes a little bit crazy. Bear with me on the dog. Duke jumps in on Super Chat. Thank you so Thank much, you, Duke. Duke. Appreciate you. Appreciate he says, you. just contributing, Chad and Zach. Go Broncos. Thank, Thank you. you. Duke, that means the world to us, my friend. Uh, Brian jumps in on Super Chat. Thank you, Brian. Yes, thank you. He says, love the pod. I listen every night, uh, every night off, or every night off tonight. Glad I can join the live pod. Props to you guys for everything. What are the biggest takes from from today's press conference? Brian is someone that's also very active and passionate Broncos fan. You know, he uh, connected with me on social media and fires questions at me. And and so, Brian, I do appreciate your support uh, of the sh- of the podcast and of MileHighHuddle.com. You know, we've kind of touched on some of the biggest takeaways from today's press conference you know let me grab something else here i wanted to touch on here on how he will incorporate explosive plays into the offense which was of course a big gripe for um you know as as related to rich gangarello kind of being conservative and vic fangio at certain times in the season kind of having to force him to be a little bit more aggressive with his play calls you think back for example to that chargers game that drew lock debuted at the end, you know, uh, Scangarello wanted to kneel on the ball, right? And Fangio said, no, let's just try one. Let's just try a deep shot and see if we can get a PI or, or a completion so we can kick a field goal and get out of here with a win. Ended up paying off because Cortland Sutton got interfered with and the rest is history. The Broncos won that game. Now let me grab this. This uh, Let me do this one more time for you guys. I want to grab this quote, and you can hear it from Pat Shermer himself. Here we go. Got to throw it down there. You know, I think that's how you do it. And I think we have some players that can that can be effective uh, and, and make plays and be productive with the deep ball. I, I think it's important that you do um, attack the defense down the field. And there are some games when they just – teams won't, won't, won't allow it, and so you got to do other things. But um, I think you have to challenge the defense, and one way to do it is to, to do it downfield. And that's how you get points. That's how you move the ball. And, and I know Coach and I both believe that that's something with the players that we have that we'll be able to do. It's interesting, Zach, because that's one thing that Fangio brought up today as well is that, you know, people think the stereotype for a defensive-minded coach is that we're conservative and that we fear being aggressive. He said, but that's the exact opposite. I want to be aggressive. I like being aggressive. And it sounds like he found himself the right offensive coordinator for that. It seems like uh, Fancho's coming out of his shell, doesn't it, Chad, in the second season? He's a little more confident in himself, and he has a clearer vision of what he wants the Broncos to be. One thing that I thought was interesting, it might be just coach speak, it might be just playing his cards close to his chest or whatever. He said that the current personnel we have, we can push the ball downfield. The Broncos don't have a wide receiver, too, right now that we know of that is going to be a starter on the roster. So he might like the receivers. They might have someone that they're thinking could step up in that role, or he might just be deceiving the public and they're going to go out and get a receiver. But it's nice that he likes the personnel and he feels like he can make do with the players that they already have right now. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Getting that just right temperature. 
or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. I mean, Cortland Sutton, he proved that he can. he's a my ball guy. I mean, he might not have blazing vertical speed, but he's a guy that can win getting off the line. And once you, you win getting off the line and you go vertical, it's just a matter of putting it up there and Cortland Sutton can go up and get it. And then you got Noah Fant who can run a 4-5 from anywhere on the field. So it's still not complete, right? There's still pieces of the puzzle that Shermer is going to have to help John Elway and Vic Fangio put in place here to make this a, an offense that is complete and that can – challenge the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. But yeah, I love that that aggressive mindset. And you know, in fairness, we heard the same type of platitudes from Rich Scangarello about this time last year. However, the one big difference between these two guys, Zach, when it comes to interpreting coach speak, is that as an offensive play caller, Pat Shermer has a almost not quite 20 years of NFL tape, as it were, or let's just say, you know, empirical evidence that we can go back and, and study and measure and say, oh, when he says he wants to be aggressive, turns out, yeah, he actually is an aggressive play caller when it comes to vertical passing. Now, Terry jumps in uh, on Super Chat. Thank you, Terry, up in Canada, you, proving once again Broncos country is not a geographic location, but a state of being, state of mind as well, as he says here, Terry. He says, thoughts on John Pagano as the OLB's coach, hashtag football priest. Yeah, so that was made official. There's another bit, again, big news day out of Dove Valley. We already knew the Broncos were going to hire John Pagano but they made it official today in terms of the announcement. My thoughts on, on John Pagano, who most of you know, but if you didn't, he is from Boulder, Colorado, as is his, uh, his brother Chuck, of course. They, they are natives to Colorado, so he's coming home. But one thing I like about Pagano is he's coaching outside linebackers. He's a former defensive coordinator of many, many years, so he's got a greater skill set that he's going to be focusing down. As a, as a uh, defensive coach, though, as far as outside linebackers, he's coached the following four players to Pro Bowls. Jadeveon Clowney, Khalil Mack, Sean Merriman, Sean Phillips. And most mm. Broncos fans can remember 2013 when Von Miller was was done in Denver for basically you know the first six games of the year suspended. And then he spent the last four or five on injured reserve after he tore his ACL. The only thing that kept that Denver Broncos pass rush semi-respectable was Sean Phillips, who came in as a veteran right on the doorstep of the season. They signed him, former Charger, great, and he went on to have double-digit sacks in that Super Bowl forty-eight season. So these are some of the guys that Pagano has worked with, and that's to say nothing either of Melvin Ingram, who you know he he basically developed in uh, in San Diego. Then he leaves to go take the job with after McCoy got fired, Mike McCoy. So he, he left to go take a job in Oakland that very next year. Surprise, surprise, Ingram's a Pro Bowler. So. This dude has some bona fides, Zach, and he also worked for three years with with Fangio back when they were both with the Indianapolis Colts, and Fangio was the defensive coordinator. 
Sean Merriman, what happened to him? There's a name right there from the past. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. But I, I do like the Broncos were getting great value on their coaching staff, Chad. They have a former head coach as an offensive coordinator, a former offensive coordinator as quarterback's coach, and a former defensive coordinator as a position coach. I think Brandon Staley, though, did well at that side linebacker last year. Got Malik Reed, got Jerry Attachu. I mean, he got some production after Chubb's injury. So that was a big loss. But I like the experience factor from here. And I also have confidence in that Fangio who cut his teeth coaching outside linebackers will take a bigger hand than that this year, hopefully feeling more confident and assured of himself and able to spread himself a little more thin than he did last year in year one. Well said. Dylan jumps in on Super Chat. Thank you so much, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. What do you guys think about signing Jimmy Smith in free agency? Now, Jimmy Smith, of course, is the longtime Baltimore Ravens cornerback. I don't hate the idea, Zach, but here's where you run into a bit of a problem. You'd have to convince me of it is the fact that it I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but I know he's at least 32. If I'm not mistaken, he's 32 years old. Got He's got some bona fides, and he he's a solid outside corner, but he's basically a keep to leave, not quite in terms of age and, you know, tall, long, physical outside corner that has grown especially long in the tooth. So if you can get him on the cheap, great, but I'm not even sure he'd be actually that great of a, of a scheme fit for Fangio. So, you know, he's he would have been interesting – five, six years ago if he hits free agency for the Broncos. But at this stage, I think his best football is behind him. Get this. He's been in the NFL since 2011. He's played a full 16-game season twice in that time. I mean, I don't want another injury-prone guy. I don't want to splurge on that guy. If there's any cornerback the Broncos are going to pay up for, it's Byron Jones. I don't want Jimmy Smith. I don't want Amukamara. I want, if they're going to go after a premier corner, get yourself a premier corner. Do not settle for someone like Jimmy Smith, who's constantly injured, and like Chad said, not a great scheme fit in, in Fangio's defense. Stu jumps in on Super Chat, one of our Every day. Our most consistent super chat superstar. Thank, Thank you, Stu. We love you, brother. Dylan jumps in with a question here Thank on you, uh, super chat. Thank you, Dylan. We drafted the better quarterback, in my opinion. Of course, he's oh, speaking yeah. to the Giants with Locke and Jones and the whole thing. I think Drew will be a better leader. And that's part of what I was trying to say, Dylan, is that, you know, just, just the personality aspect, um, you know, the charisma, the persona. I mean, Drew Locke brings QB1 it factor to the table and Daniel Jones I'm not saying that he can't be that but he's still got a long ways to go before he can present even that way at you know publicly to the media now maybe he's different maybe he's a different guy when he's you know there's no camera on him and there's no scrutiny on him and he's in the locker room with the dudes and maybe he's a much more relaxed and, and different guy to be around but to me Daniel Jones seemed like a guy that's got a long ways to go Zach when it comes to becoming a leader and as we learned and saw in just five games on the field last year, Drew Locke already has that in spades. Nothing against Daniel Jones, but I was not a fan of his coming out of college. I didn't think he was going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. And to me, there's a lot of Paxton Lynch in him. Not that he's sitting around playing video games, but the fact that he's very passive. He's very beta. He doesn't take it by the horns. He's not a natural leader. He's not rapping on the bench. He doesn't have that that fire, that charisma. When he gets on the field, his teammates aren't rallying around him. You don't hear the veteran players you know, praising him like Von Miller did. He doesn't have the same presence to him like Drew Locke. So to me, no question at all, the Broncos have the better quarterback any day of the week any time of the week I will I will it's the last thing I say that take will sustain Shadif Henson jumps in on super chat ten dollar donation thank, thank you Shadif. Shadif. we'll uh, look for any questions and comments you have in the stream here let's see what Brian has to say right underneath that on YouTube he says seen that uh, years back when Elway signed Talib and Ward 
And those key free agents, we had like 30 million to spend and only six draft picks. This year, we've doubled both of those. What could we do this year? That's a good point. I think that was something that Nikki Jabala of The Athletic opined about on Thursday on social media, basically laying out that look at all these moves that that Elway made, moving mountains basically in 2014. He had half of the available cap to spend. And of course, you know, that draft class in 2014, you got Bradley Roby. I'm trying to think back to who else was in that class. It's been a minute, but, but uh, yeah. And then you'd look at today. I mean, they're starting free agency with 60 million. If they make a couple of one cut and that is Joe Flacco, if they cut him, there's another 10 million. Now you're to 70 million. They don't pick up the option for Ron Larry. There's another eight and a half million. So it starts adding up and you, you start really getting excited. But the one thing that's kind of the wet blanket on that Zach is, is there are so many free agents of their own to resign. And the big four, of course, being Justin Simmons, Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris. My opinion is of those three, considering the amount of cap they're going to have, I think you of those four, considering the amount of cap they're going to have, I think you can get three of them back. Yeah. And I think at this stage, the odds are my bet, my my pick for who those three would be of the big four. Justin Simmons is is guaranteed, even if it means getting tagged. I think they're going to try and bring Chris Harris back. It just comes down to whether or not he's amenable to the idea and how how much water happens to be under that bridge between him and Elway. And I think Derek Wolf. Now, I know you want Shelby Harris, but I think those are the three guys of that the big four that can come back. Now, that's going to take, Zach, that could take as much as half, if not a little bit more than half of what they have to spend. But that's still, as, as Brian points out here, uh, compared to 2014, even having $30 million available to go spend on outside guys, that, that's still an opportunity to make a lot of hay. Yeah, I was going to say, even if they bring back all their guys that they want, the, all the guys that you mentioned, Chad, they can go out and still sign a Byron Jones. They can still put a bid in on Chris Jones if he reaches the open market. They have enough money to play around with. And this is sort of uncharted territory from John Elway. Not only does he have 12 picks at his disposal and upwards of, what, $80 million to make some moves in salary cap space, he finally has a franchise quarterback. He's not in the quarterback market. He's not... Um, you know, from ground level anymore. He's actually caught up and he's ahead of the game now. So he's going to go, I think, with a more confident approach to the offseason. He can do whatever he wants. First things first, take care of your own guys. But after that, he can place a bid and get in on any free agent that he wants this offseason. And by the way, guys, in the comment stream, we had to put Low Lit McGee in timeout. He was in here trying to cause a, a ruckus and uh, affect our, our vibe. Hey, go celebrate the Chiefs. Knock yourself out. You, your fan base deserves it. Just Get out Control of here. here. Yeah. Um, Magus jumps in. He says, your thoughts on Denver using some of their picks to acquire a second, second round pick. To me, this is, this is, would be simply a case of trying too hard. Like you have five selections in the top 100, use them. And, yeah. you know, it depends on who it was for or who was there on the board. Like, you know, not that this is going to happen, but if like, if you saw someone fall, like no one expected, for example, Dalton Reisner to be there in the second round. Last year, they almost every draft Nick expected him to be a mid to late first round pick. So if you have one of those guys that you had graded as a first round pick and you've already made your, well, not necessarily that, but if, if you see him there in the second round and it requires you maybe packaging some picks to head off somebody else, another team, maybe you do it. But to me, it would really have to be like a no brainer, you know, top 15 guy that somehow dropped to the second round. You don't just trade up to the second round just to trade up to the second round, right. especially when you have three third round picks that you can, you could do a lot with that set. 
Right, yeah. I, I'm not in the camp of trading for the sake of trading or stockpiling picks because you mentioned the top of the show, Chad. NFL teams rarely make all of their selections. If they have 10, 12, 15 picks, they rarely make all of them. The Broncos are probably not going to make all those picks. In fact, I'd rather the Broncos, if they wanted to move up back into the first round, maybe surrendering a second round pick and maybe get a receiver and, let's say, Javon Kinlaw at 15 and double dip that way. They have three third round picks, two at their disposal, and that's why I'm saying Elway's working with house money. He has literal liquid cash to work with and draft compensation. He can do whatever he wants this offseason. And he's, I think go back to being that aggressive, you know, the Duke that we knew a couple years ago, not the, not the timid, tepid Duke from the past regime. Good point. Brian jumps back in on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Could you see Fangio going after Prince Amukamara, or however you spell it, and Danny Trevathan considering they were on his defense and are familiar with the scheme? Yeah, Zach, I could see the Broncos being interested in both those guys. But if I'm not mistaken, Amu Kamara is under contract. They would have to cut him. And I think there's a lot of people who think they're going to, which is why he keeps coming up. I could be wrong on that. But either way, if Prince Amu Kamara is available, he's absolutely a guy that that Fangio is going to want to sniff and see what it would take financially to get him here. And Danny Trevathan, we've already we've talked about this before, but you know, you you bring him in, make sure he passes his physical. Make sure you feel like he's on the up and up on a on a health perspective. If he checks the boxes and he wants to come back to Denver, pay the man some some money, like a two-year deal, because he is getting a little bit older and he has had some injury issues. But I would love to see him back in Denver. Yeah, I agree with you on Trevathan for sure. About Amukamara, even if he's cut, the Broncos signed him fine, but as a reserve player, a backup player, not to start, and I hope it wouldn't preclude the Broncos either from drafting a cornerback or, or signing another cornerback. He is not the end-all, be-all. He is not going to solely replace Chris Harris Jr. if they go that route. He'd be a good depth signing for a short-term deal, not a guy you want to lean on by any means. Duke jumps back in also on Super Chat. Thank you, Thank Duke. You. Broncos Priests, great job, fellows. Always tell it like it is. Yes, sir. We appreciate you, Duke. Before we get to an- another question, and actually here's a comment, Buona Beast, this is true. Merriman stole deep, the defensive player of the year from <laughs> Champ Bailey because of his steroids. Yep. Merriman had a flash of a couple, two, three years in the pan where he was elite, and then we learned after the fact that a lot of that had to do with the juice, and as soon as he got busted as being a juicer, all of a sudden his production went off a cliff. So good, uh, good use of, of history there, Blonde Beast. I wanted to get uh, your take, Zach, on the other thing I was really impressed by, Shermer, was how adamant he was about the Broncos being like basically winning the lottery to be able to get Mike Shuley to come in to coach the quarterbacks and just kind of the excitement, the reverence, the respect he has for Mike Shula. Let me, uh, let me pull one more. This is the last one I'm going to do on, on the share screen here today, guys. But I want you, I want all of you to hear it, obviously, and I want to get Zach's take on this. What Pat Shermer had to say specifically about basically the Broncos being lucky as hell to get Mike Shula. Yeah, Mike, a uh, couple reasons. Number one, Mike's an outstanding coach, and number two, he's an even better person. And uh, I knew about Mike prior to going to the Giants, and then having worked with him now, um, I think the, the Broncos are, are, are really lucky that he was available and willing to come here. He's an outstanding coach, does a great job not only with quarterbacks, but also with the whole offense. You know, he, he called plays in the Super Bowl. And uh, I think the players here are very lucky that he's here. The players are very lucky that he's here. 
And Zach, the research I did on Mike Shula, I mean, I knew who he was, but once I knew he was in the Broncos site, so to speak, you know, I did some real deep dive research on him and just came away feeling like with the Shermer hire and now Shula, the Broncos have, it's kind of like the difference between when, when he went from Vance Joseph to Vic Fangio, even though Vic Fangio was a first time head coach, it was like, okay, exhale. They have an adult back in the building who knows what's what similar, but just on the offensive side of the ball. You can tell he's new because he said the Broncos are very lucky to have him, not we're very lucky to have him. So he'll get in that mind frame and my mindset soon. But I, I do like the fact that he's talking up his, you know, his right hand guy and he's the he's creating a positive atmosphere for him to step into. He knows that the the disaster that was, I guess, Gangarello and TC McCartney being so young and so inexperienced. And now he has him in place and his right hand guy who has experience, like he mentioned. He called plays, he's held higher positions. I like the fact they're getting value among their coaching staff, Chad. They're not settling, they're not going for youth or unknowns. They're getting value in guys who've been there and done that. Shadif jumps back in on Super Chat. Thank, Thank you, Shadif. Shadif. This time with a comment. He says, Defense will beat Casey, and we need to make the defense stingy. But I understand the need to get the offense to be explosive. Special teams needs a boost. Yeah, special teams does need a boost, you know, but you have a Pro Bowl alternate caliber returner. So that box is checked. You got a kicker. That box is checked. It's the punter. It's the punter, and it's your return teams. So if they can at least fix the punter, I'm – I can be optimistic and go, all right, you know, you can turn it around as on the coverage units. But, you know, as it relates to the Chiefs, you know, you've got a defensive mastermind in, in Fangio. That's going to only get you so far, though, Zach. And it's like he said today, man, goes without saying, if you want to beat the Chiefs, you got to put up points, period, end of story. I would venture to say the Broncos need a coordinator too on special teams, but I digress on that. Uh, in order about the the defense, I mean, it's going to keep the Broncos competitive. It's going to keep the Chiefs relatively calm on the scoreboard. You're never going to keep Patrick Mahomes down unless you injure the guy. He's going to get his points, but the defense can hold him to a certain amount, and it's to be up to the Broncos' offense to take it from there to get past the 24, 27, 30 point threshold. If they can do that, they can take down the Chiefs. It's a it's a cooperation of offense and defense. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Nick on YouTube says, hey, guys, kind of late jumping in, but did you hear what Shermer said before stepping up to the podium? He seemed very arrogant to me, and throughout his spiel, I felt like he had kind of a snappy attitude. Honestly, Nick, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not sure what you heard him say before he stepped up to the podium. I don't know what I missed there. Um, and I did not get that same kind of uh, impression that he was being snippy at the podium. I, I feel like he was being, you know, as a guy that's been around the block with the media a few times, you know, the, the local media in Denver tried to get him to come out and say a few things, you know, as it related to personnel groupings and different things. And, you know, he, he wasn't going to be baited. He made that clear. And so he shut down those type of questions. But I honestly thought Zachy did it with professionalism. I didn't read yeah. anything into that. I mean, he's a bit of a droner. He's not the most exciting guy right. to listen to talk, but right. he, he wasn't arrogant at all. And, and like Chad mentioned, if he you know, he was coaching in the New York market, this is nothing. The Denver media, this is nothing compared to New York. So I felt he was comfortable, maybe a little coach speaky, maybe a little boring at times, but not an arrogant in the, in the, in the least. Nick says, Shermer said something like, this is a good press conference now, meaning, you know, we're all excited. Here's a new guy, but wait until we don't score in a game. That's true. <laughs> I didn't like that. Uh, am I crazy? No, I mean, I think he was just trying to lighten the mood maybe a little bit and try and break some of the tension. Like, honestly, I wouldn't read too much into that, Nick. That's just that, – I think that's – yeah, just don't read too much into that. Ron jumps back in. $10 donation you, on Ron. Super Chat. Ron, you are the man. He says, I disagree with Shermer. Different quarterbacks. Jones was flustered, leading to turnovers. Specifically, I think he had 12 picks and then a ridiculous number, Zach, like 18 fumbles. Now, he didn't lose them all, but – it was a ridiculous number. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I'm close on that number. Locke was decisive and more mobile. I like his moxie with a top O-line and more weapons. Locke will be dangerous. Amen to everything you said there, Ron. Yeah, it's what we've been – they're not even close to being the same type of quarterback. I kind of understand where Shermer's going with that. It was very professional that he would talk up Daniel Jones because he's under no obligation to anymore, but they are two different types of quarterbacks completely. It's it's unfair to compare them, even though they're young and they're playmakers or whatever. It, they're just two different types. And they came in the same year. and That's, that's they, it. They're, they're, they both had four years of starting experience in college. They're, they're both human beings with warm <laughs> blood. I mean, that's it. That's where the similarities end. Uh, Jamal jumps in on Super Chat. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jamal. Um, he says, loving the podcast. What Bronco players' numbers do you think should be retired? Now, Zach, I'm I'm of the opinion when it comes to retiring numbers because time – well, let's put it this way. Jersey numbers are finite. There's only a certain number of jer jersey numbers that are going to be usable in an NFL game unless they suddenly go to triple digits, which they're not going to do, whereas time goes on and on and on. So my thing with with – regard to retiring jersey numbers like it has to be a sacrosanct player like not just hall of fame and that's a big deal don't get me wrong i'm not trying to poo poo on hall of fame guys like td the number 30 atwater 27 but it has to be someone that literally there's you they just broke the mold like there's no like a john elway's number is deservedly retired. Right. I pick nits over Frank Tripuka's number being retired and of course the Tripuka family was kind enough to let Peyton wear it for the four years he was in Denver temporarily on retiring the number. Now it's back and retired. But still, it's that caliber of a guy, an Elway, a Manning, an Atwater, a Davis, as great and phenomenal as those players are and how much they mean to the history of the team. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to minimize that. It's really, to me, it's just a matter of if you start retiring jerseys, Champ Bailey, you know, John yes. Lynch, whoever – if you start doing that, you just really start running out of options for your for your team as the year <laughs> wind on. 
Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And Champ Bailey is the one guy, like you mentioned, Chad, that's transcendent enough to warrant that. But it's so fluid in today's NFL. I mean, look at Terrell Davis. He gave Philip Lindsay permission to wear number 30. It's just, it doesn't really stay retired anymore. And like like Chad mentioned, if they keep retiring numbers, you're not going to be able to fill out a roster. So you can honor the player. You can recognize them as greats. You have the ring of fame, but you don't necessarily have to retire their number for good, even if they warrant it. All right, guys, we got time for one or two more. And then we got to cut you loose here for today. Let me see what we've got here. Um, massive attack. Has anyone heard an update on Chubb's rehab? Bradley Chubb, of course, tore his ACL in week four against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he is on the mend. Everything we've heard from him publicly up to this point is he's things are going well, no setbacks. If things continue to go according to plan, he very much is confident he's going to be good to go week one. Now, my own interpretation beyond that, Zach, is that they'll probably have him on a little bit of a pitch count, as it were, in the first quarter of the season and try and ease him in a little bit. But you're not going to see him in OTAs as far as being, participating on the field. You might catch him a little bit in camp, but I, if you're the Broncos, you just wait and just you know wait till you get to the games that count and roll him out there. Yeah, I don't want to minimize his injury. I'm sure it was painful, and he has to come back from it and rehab from it. But in today's technology, in today's NFL, ACL injuries are very, very easy to overcome. And he had a full uh, rest of the season to to heal up. He had uh, corrective surgery, which went well. He's had the entire offseason, or he will have the entire offseason, barring a setback like Chad mentioned, unless he tweaks his knee again. He's going to be 100% ready to go for week one. I don't expect any drop-off in production. He's going to be the same Bradley Chubb we saw in 2018. All right, guys, last one, and then we've got to get out of here for today from Red John on YouTube. He says, is there any idea when we are going to cut ties with Joe Flacco? No need to drag our feet with that. Let's cut the fat already. Um, the deadline, I think it's – well, <clears throat> there is no deadline. I think it will happen sometime between now and March. That's all I can tell you. I don't know why they're necessarily dragging their heels. The only explanation I could think of, Zach, is – he wants to wait till they get a little bit closer to, but actually you can make a trade now. You don't need to be in the new league year. Like they can make a trade. They traded right. for Flacco before March last year. It just couldn't become official and signed on till the new league year. So my only guess would be that they're working the phone, still exploring any possibility that they might be able to unload him. And good luck with knows? that. <laughs> I don't see it happening. Maybe, but I don't see it either. Yeah, I, I saw something on Twitter that the guy from uh, SpotTrack said that there's no June 1st designation with Flacco's contract, so they can make the move now, and even he doesn't understand what the Broncos are waiting for. I don't understand it, and the only thing I can think of is that they're still in 2019 evaluation mode and really haven't turned the page to 2020 just yet, but it's it's fait accompli. I mean, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. He's going to be cut, not traded, and he will be off the roster hopefully soon. Last one from Brian. He has a good question here. How do you think Locke will look in this new offense with a couple extra weapons and a full offseason of being the man? Brian, I think that it's not going, it's not orange colored glasses and it's not getting too far out over our skis to imagine that if a guy like Daniel Jones in 12 games could put up 24 touchdowns with Shermer and Shula, I don't think it's beyond the bounds of the plausible to say, you know what, Drew Locke can get over 4,000 passing and be in the thirties touchdowns. I think that's legitimately possible and it wouldn't surprise me. Now I'm not making this as a bold prediction. There's still a lot of off season that needs to take place before I would even feel comfortable making this as a official bold prediction, but it would not surprise me to see him be one of these quarterbacks similar to 
Mahomes in 2018 and Lamar Jackson in 2019 that just takes that quantum leap forward in year two and just blows the doors down. And if the Broncos can go seven and nine and only start Drew Locke for five games among those 16 games, who's to say they're not going to go 10 and six, 11 and five. And if they do, it's because the offense clicked with the defense as well. If the stars align, Chad, like, like you mentioned, he can have a breakout year, a career year. He can be the next guy, the next franchise quarterback in the NFL, that household name. I'm still thinking regardless. So they're going to be fielding a better offense than we've seen since Peyton Manning. You're going to see the Broncos franchise guy finally step up and, and take hold of that position for the next decade. And you're going to see more explosive offense, but it all comes down to protecting him. They have the right coaches around him now and getting him his weapons. If all those things happen and he progresses as he should, they will be a very, very, very exciting and dangerous offense. Very well said. Guys, before we get out of here, we just want to bring your attention again to the merch store that is up. There are five items on there now, and more are going to be added daily, basically. And this weekend especially, there's going to be a lot of new stuff added. But for now, there are some cool designs. There's the Huddle Up Podcast hat here, this blue snapback that we've gotten a lot of traction with from you guys and a lot of feedback from uh, from uh, purchases and also this blue huddle up podcast, the traditional white one here with the football priest hashtag on the front and the pod logo on the back. And then a couple of hoodies. And we understand white for some people. They're like, look, white. I'm, I'm always scared to buy anything, any apparel that's white because anything gets on it, blah, blah, blah. But these look tight. We've had them delivered to our house to ensure that they look good and that the quality is high for you guys. So when you get some time, if you want to support the show, and get some really nice swag as well, head on over to just type in huddleuppod.com. It takes you right there, you guys. But, hey, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you for joining us live. You you hear Zach and I say it every time, every Thursday night. This is our favorite show of the week because even though we talk to you guys and we involve the comment stream in every pod of the week, this is the one that's mostly do- dedicated in its entirety to you guys. Now, today was a little bit different because it was such a news day. We had to address a couple of the news things up the top of the show. But you guys make these conversations, Zach, so much more enthralling for, for us. Yeah, I mean, they've always been the you know the mailbag days, but since we've been on Super Chat and being able to interact with you guys more and, and kind of just being more personable with you, it's been that much more fun. I look forward to these uh, these pods every week, and it's it's so exciting and so fun for Chad and I to interact with you guys. So we definitely appreciate it every single day, every comment. Nothing gets past us. And big thanks to each and every one of you for being here, and yes. a mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. We love you guys. Thank you so much. That's got to do it for today. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. Again, it's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And if you want another way to support the show, check out the merch store. Here's what comes next. Zach and I are off uh, tomorrow. We're off Saturday, but we will be back in the saddle Sunday, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern with another live pod to start a new week. And in the meantime, I know there's going to be a Building the Broncos podcast, not a live pod, but something that you'll listen to on Apple Podcasts. It'll get uploaded onto YouTube, but it won't be a live pod. And then also a live episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers on Saturday at 1 p.m. Mountain, 3 p.m. Eastern. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, to my partner here, Zach Kelberman, make sure you're following him on Twitter. As you can see there, guys, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And Zach, have a great weekend, bro. You as well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in with us. We'll see you Sunday. All right, guys, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you Sunday night. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 